0: From up here, it looks like a movie theater out there. People watching the show eating popcorn. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you being here. Glad you're here. Glad you're comfortable. Do want that. Some of you that just haven't got over that eating popcorn, it is great popcorn. Somebody told me a week ago, they said, we're going to get one of those popcorn poppers for our house. This is great popcorn. We try to make it as close to theater popcorn as we can. And so uh, feel free next week to grab you a bag. I am glad you're here. I'm Mike Davis. I'm pastor of Connection. It's good to be with you. Matt Griswold is leading our worship. We appreciate so much what he does. And then the people behind him, he mentioned Brody, and we appreciate Brody, and we wish him the best. But we have so many people who give themselves to help connection be what it is. And, and, and many of you men and women out there, you know, some folks never see what you do for connection. I can tell some of your cat people, though. I watched during that first video, and I'm telling you, you could have been knocked out of your chair. You were so engrossed with watching those cats. And so some of you are cat people. And uh, I can tell that. And and somebody's going to ask me someday or maybe later. What was that first bit video all about? Fun. That's all it was about. And that's what God created this world for. Is for our enjoyment. Believe me. And in this experience he wants us to enjoy creation. Our relationship with him. And our relationship with one another. The problem is. Is that there's something called sin. Self-centered selfishness that sets in. And it will rob a relationship. It will rob a marriage. It will rob a family. It will rob a society. It will rob a world of experiencing all that God intended. And of course, we're together because we talk about God's cure for sin. And that is Jesus Christ. Let me mention also that if you've got your message map, there's a page in there for some blanks. It has a date at the top of that page. At, on that page, it says you can text questions if you have questions during the sermon. You know, there's just no time for us to, to dialogue back. We can do that in our connect groups, and I would invite you to a connect group. They're listed in the worship handout. But uh, uh, you can... Text a message in regard to the sermon if you would like. You just need to follow the instructions there, okay? Somebody met me today, shook my hand and said, Hey, you got one of those shirts. I go, yeah, I got one of those shirts. And I looked at the person standing beside him, and the person standing said, Yeah, it's one of those bowling shirts. I got to go to the bowling alley. Do they really dress like this now? And then it was said, no, you got Charlie Sheen's shirt on. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, I got one of those shirts. I thought about it, I'm going to take it home and burn it after today. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, you're welcome to connection. You just come covered, but we want you to be comfortable and we want you to enjoy yourself. Connection is somewhat of a different church tradition, rituals. You know, we're not trying to get caught up in that. We want to get caught up in Jesus and all He's about, God's Word, and all the freedom it can bring into our lives. And believe me, I guarantee you, if you'll get into God's Word, it will bring you liberation. It will set you free. The world tells you, no, it's going to control you. You've got to go to church all the time. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to talk to Jesus. Oh, no, it's all control. No, people who understand it who get involved, find the freedom it brings. And we're looking in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open to Luke, the 8th chapter. Luke, the 8th chapter. We're going to look at the 4th verse. If you got any of those New Testaments, then it's page 56. And let me invite you to bring a Bible with you. I know some of you got it on your iPhone and things like that. Only problem is, you, 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 unless you've got an iPad now, if you bring your iPad, you can highlight and all that, okay? But... uh You can't underline, you can't circle, you can't write any notes. And you tend to lose them if you just do them on the paper. And so let me encourage you to bring a Bible and circle some words and some statements every so often. And today I'm going to try to do that a couple of times. I tell you, underline this, circle that. Why do I do that? And why do I ask you to fill in the blanks? So that you can take this paper back this week and spend a time with God in the Scriptures that are listed. And think these thoughts. And think about what God is saying in His Word. Because His Word is His power. Okay? And you and I are nothing. The old devil can just knock us over. He just breathes and we're defeated. But with the Word of God, we have foundation as if our feet are set in stone. And we will be victorious. And so, like for you to get in the Word, and if you don't have a Bible, we've got New Testaments out on the table in the hallway. When you're leaving, just grab one, bring it next week, and, and just use it. See what it's like. If you don't have a Bible, don't go buy one yet. Grab one of those New Testaments. They're free. And just bring it each week and sort of mark it up, and, and God gives you a thought. Write it on the page. And see what might happen by the time we get to end the book of Luke and what you might realize about having the printed Word. We will put the Bible on the screen, because I'm reading from the New Living Translation. That's a different translation than some people. Uh, you may be using the King James Version. You may be using the, the New International Version. Those seem to be the popular ones. Uh, a version that is very accurate is the English Standard Version. But I'm looking over probably maybe two or three of you might have that. But most folks aren't buying that Bible yet. Uh, very reliable in regard to the translation of the, the original language, the Hebrew and the Old Testament, the Greek and the New Testament. I read this is because this is easy to follow if you're not used to reading the Bible. And so that's why I use the New Living Translation. And you'll see it on the screen because we don't want you to be lost. You can see what your verse 4 and what the verse 4 I'm reading says and compare them, okay? So you got your Bibles open, the 8th chapter. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, Jesus is going to get very direct. He's going to get very direct in his relationship with people and the things he says. Some of us will not like it. Next week I'm going to talk about family, because he's going to talk about family. I'll make the statement, probably. You know, some of us aren't going to like what Jesus says. The week after that, I'm going to get into demon possession. Some people don't even want to think about demon possession. But Jesus speaks, and we see it happening. And we're looking at Luke, because Luke is recording things that have happened in Jesus' life. Okay? Do you hear God's Word well? How would I know, or how would someone know, if you hear God's Word well? Well, how do we know people hear things well? There's a story that's told about Franklin Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president of the United States. You know, presidents host all those dinners and functions, and they're always smiling and shaking hands, okay? And, and he sort of got tired of just going through the routine, of. and he had a large smile. Hey, he was, whether, whether you like what his party was, the man got a lot of votes. And for 12 years was President of the United States. And the man had a great smile and he welcomed people and he would shake hands. And he sort of got tired that, that one day he thought in one of those affairs that what he would do is he'd smile and he'd shake hands but he'd want to see if the people are really listening. And so the story is told about Franklin Roosevelt that, that when people came he would smile largely, extend his hand and he'd say, this morning I murdered my grandmother and he tells he says people just come by and they th- say things like good and you're doing a good work keep it up <laughs> can you imagine how would you keep a straight face except one person roosevelt says did not respond by good you're doing a good work keep it up those cliche statements that people make okay one person was a foreign diplomat and he when when franklin roosevelt said I murdered my grandmother this morning. He said, I'm sure she deserved it. (laughs) Okay? So you see, everybody else didn't hear Roosevelt, but that diplomat did. Now, his response might not be so cool, but he did hear, okay? And and respond. How do we know we hear God? We respond according to what is said. And so the question this morning is, as we look at this part of the Scriptures, and we're just traveling through the book of Luke, we're taking a journey, and it's going to be a journey. I can see it going into 2013. We're, we're, We're taking this journey, and today, Jesus is asking the people that he's with, Do you hear God's word? And so I ask you, how do you hear God's word? How are you responding to what you hear? I said in the last sermon, look on your message map, that first blank. I said in the last sermon, because of your conflicting feelings, you refuse to change. I don't have time to redo the sermon. But remember I said we have conflicting feelings that come into our minds. And when God speaks to us, because we have the conflicting feelings, listen. Many of us might say, you know, it would probably be a good idea if I'd make a change in my life the way God wants. But because of the conflicting feelings, we refuse to change. We just refuse. And you know that's true because you've experienced that and a month later, you're back to where you were before. You refuse to change. Well, Jesus is going to confront people. Jesus talks about how people hear God. And so there in the 8th chapter, look at the 4th verse. We stopped at verse 3 last week. One day, it says, Jesus told a story about a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear Him. Now now let me stop. This should not be unusual to us. This is a good-sized crowd. I'm telling you. Probably 90% of the churches in Jefferson County aren't as large as this crowd. And I'm not trying to say we're large. 70% of churches in America have less than 70 people in attendance on Sunday morning. If you put our kids in here and everything, we got a crowd. Okay? When we get a permanent facility, people will stay with us who come and see us. Because still folks are saying out there, Ah, that connection is just a cult. That's all it is. They're not going to stick. We've been here four years. We're stuck. Okay? But this is a crowd. We shouldn't be surprised when it says, Jesus is speaking to a crowd that gathers. Because you see, when you talk about God's Word, in a way people can relate to, crowds gather. Crowds gather. And that's what happens with Jesus. A crowd gathers. Okay? To hear Him. They want to hear what God has to say. It goes on in verse 5. Jesus says, excuse me, a farmer went out to plant his seed. Now, the reoccurring action in this story is the planting of a seed. That's why I used that that visual just a little bit ago. The theme is the sowing of God's Word. The seed is God's Word, okay? We're going to see. Jesus is going to say it in a little bit. But the theme of this story is the sowing of the seed. Now, Now, hear me. But what we must notice is where it lands and how where it lands responds to the seed that has been sown or God's word that goes out. That's the important part of the story. If we don't hear that, I mean, there's people who get caught up and say, well, some of these people are lost, some are saved, blah, blah, blah. What we need to hear is, or what we need to notice is the land where the seed falls Okay? So he goes on in verse 5. This is, As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plants soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. We saw that, both of those, in that visual. Verse 7 says, Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and with it choked out the tender plants. We saw that. You saw those green thorny monsters. Verse 8, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. The seeds grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he had said this, now listen, Jesus called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. All Jesus is simply saying is this. Listen. He's saying, Those who are tuned in to God should be listening to what is being said, and they should understand it. The important thing is, will you and I understand it? Not just listen, will we understand what he's telling us in this story? Okay? Verse 9, his disciples ask him, what this parable meant. And you see, their ears are such that they, they don't understand yet. So I want to tell you something. Listen, if you're struggling with understanding God's word, that's okay. That's okay. The disciples don't understand. Jesus is saying, listen and understand. And then his disciples speak out right. What's all this mean? You see, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you will understand God's word. The further you get from Jesus, the more distant or foreign God's word seems to you. You might say, yeah, I agree with it. But you know you don't understand it. It's not part of your life's experience. Matter of fact, big deal. If you give it time, who cares? Man, the world is to enjoy. And so they don't quite understand it yet. They've they got to keep staying close to Jesus, okay? He says, but I use parables to teach the others so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled And this is the scripture. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Okay? Jesus is saying this. I use stories because people who really don't want to be close to me, they're not going to understand. They're not. Jesus is not not trying to keep them from understanding. Jesus is saying, my words, my stories, they're not going to understand because they're not close to me. Look, you can raise two, three, four kids. And you can have success with two, three of those kids. And one of them just won't hear your words. They just won't understand. And they think all you want to do is control them. They think all you want to do is rob them of their joy. And yet, the other two or three kids, they understand. And maybe when those kids become adults, that one that was sort of rebellious, and understand, said, well, where would you learn that? Well, mom said that all the time. I don't remember. Now, no rolling eyes, parents. I saw that. I did. I saw a couple of parents. But that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's not trying to hide anything from anyone. It's just people who refuse to get close to him. They're just not going to understand. They can hear the very same words. They will not understand. He goes on in verse 11. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. Now, here's the meat. The seed is God's word. If you underline anything, it ought to be that phrase, the seed is God's word. Remember that. When you're trying to interpret his parable, you've got to realize the seed is God's word. That's what Jesus tells us, okay? In other words... He's describing God's Word going out into four different kinds of life experiences. Understand, you and I are one of those life's experiences. That's what we are. You're, you're describing in this story. So, here, listen, understand. Jesus is trying to point a finger at you and me and say, This is you. You know it. This is you. And if it's good, praise the Lord. If it's not, be sensitive, get close to Jesus and be the kind of land that responds or the kind of person that responds to God's word as Jesus indicates we should. Verse 12, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and you ought to circle the next three words take it away. This is a footpath. Okay? Those who hear the message, hear God's word, only to have the devil come like that bird and eat the seed, okay? When he first told the parable, he said the birds come, but here he's interpreted. The devil comes and takes it away from their hearts and prevents them from believing and being saved. Now, you know, a path is well traveled on. When you travel on that path, it gets packed down. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, grass can grow anywhere. Believe me, it can Okay? But the illustration is a path that is packed down. When you put seed on it, the seed can't penetrate the hardness of the packed experience, the ground. And he's trying to say, God's word comes out. Life is hard it is. Maybe because of what somebody did to you or some choice action you did, life gets hard. Maybe because you seem to got the short end of the stick, you didn't get the education somebody else did, you didn't get the break somebody else did, you didn't get the promotion, you know they're probably sitting sometimes and thinking, unless they're very arrogant, man, how come I got the blessing of this position or this break in my life? You just didn't get those, okay? Life is hard, and he's saying the Word of God comes to people whose life are whose life is hard. And what these people do is they soon forget God's Word. They may say, hey, now, okay, that, that's good. But the devil comes and he takes it away from them. And there is not any change at all in those people. Not any. They're intelligent. They say, well, I can listen to the Word of God. But it makes no difference. It has no Penetration. No penetration. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, footpath people refuse to believe what God says. That's what Jesus is saying. So they can't experience the relationship of salvation, a relationship with Him. Because without the Word, we have no relationship with Him. He goes on in 13. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they. Now. Those next four words are important. Maybe you want to underline them or circle them. But since they don't have deep roots, because that's what he's saying. This land... Happens at this land when the seed is sown. They believe for a while, and then they fall away when they face temptation. In other words, this kind of person, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Man, that 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 speaks to me. Oh, I can see that in my life. Yes, God. Oh, yes, I know. That's what I need to hear. You know, we have probably every week three or four people who jump up and do that, right? Well, I hope we have every week people who are doing that inside Don't jump up, but they do it inside. Wow, man, that speaks to me. And they begin. Listen, they begin. You know, I'm going to go to church next week. I'm going to come back to Connection. See? They begin. They get involved. They they say, I'm not going to get angry. Boy, for a day, two days, a week, three weeks, they're not angry. They say, I'm going to read my Bible. They begin. But you see, they stop. They just stop. And the reason they stop is the temptations of life overcome them. And please, the Bible says we all face temptations. People who are pastors, people who are teachers, we all face temptations. The parent, the child, Christians face temptation. But Jesus says the people are like the rocky soil. They are people who hear God's word and it wants to grow But it can't develop deep roots because you see, I know what you say, but listen, I just got to go do this. This temptation's got a hold of me. I got to give myself to this. And he says, it keeps them from doing what God wants. Rocky soil people are people who hear God's word, but listen, when temptations of life consume them, it keeps them from doing what God wants. Now he goes on. Look at 14. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those that hear the message. Okay, among the thorns, they hear the message. But all too quickly the message is, and there's like eight, nine words here. Crowded out. You might underline it because that's the interpretation of this soil that falls among the thorns. Crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Key words right there. And he says, so they never grow into maturity. In other words, a person hears God's word, begins living God's word. Woo, I'm going to do what God says. But they do not continue. We are told why they don't continue. Matter of fact, I could have took you to another scripture where Jesus told another story about a person that owns some things. He says the reason they don't continue is the cares of life. I mean, I've got to take care of my cares of life. I'm just a responsible person. I'm sorry. I don't have time to do what the Lord wants me to do because my cares of life are so big. Listen, my children grew up. I told them, be careful. And some of you heard me say this. The more you possess in life, the more your possessions possess you. The more cares you have in life, the more those cares call for you to be responsible. Take care of that swimming pool. Take care of that bike. Take care of whatever it is. And you know what? I'm sorry, God. I'm just being responsible. We're supposed to be responsible, aren't we? Jesus says what happens with people who have the Word of God come into their lives and it's like having thorns in their life is that the cares of life crowd out the Word of God. But He doesn't doesn't even stop there. He says the riches of life. I mean, come on, I got the brakes. I'm sorry, you don't make as much money as I do. I got some money. Come on, I work hard for this money. And usually people who have money work hard for money. Don't get me wrong. But I work hard for my money. And we ought to be able to enjoy our money. And so I've got to, God, I'm sorry. I'm, let somebody else do that. You know, they don't have as much money. They can't go like I can go. They can't do like I can do. And so the riches of life crowds out. What God is saying to you. It always scares me. It always scares me. When immature people have success in life. And gain more finances. Because normally the finances take control. They buy so many things. That the things crowd out. A sensitivity to what God wants. That's not true for everybody. Jesus is saying there's some people like that. And he says the pleasures of life. Come on, Jesus. I gotta go have some fun. I know it's the Lord's day, but come on. Guys, every Lord's day. This this is my date night, Jesus. What do you want with my date night? Why well, don't you die on the cross for me? why't uh, come on, Jesus. And you know we got to get this down. You got to be responsible in your life with your marriage, your family, and your things, or else Jesus will just rob you of everything. And it becomes, as he says, the pleasures of life just consume us. Please, this guy has said from this pulpit, this world has been created for us to enjoy. We ought to go see its beauty. We ought to experience its beauty. I've told you when we get a permanent facility, I hope some of you who are artists, who draw beautiful pictures and all beauty comes from God. I'm telling you that. All truth. Some of you write things in poetry and prose. That is truth from God. I hope we can post those on the walls of a permanent facility. See, I'm not telling you we are not to enjoy this world. Jesus is just saying, I want you to understand this third kind of ground, this thorny ground, are those people whom God speaks to. They hear it. They hear it. It's meaningful. But the cares of life, the riches of life, the pleasures of life, crowded out keeps them from producing for God in their life. And verse 15, he says, and the seed that fell on the good soil represents, now look at this, the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. Now look, here's the important phrase, cling to it. You ought to circle that. I have to be reminded of that. Things happen to discourage me. I want to give up. I don't want to stay married to Laura. I didn't want to continue being the good dad to my kids. I know you people, I, I need to learn from you how to have perfect marriages. Mine always wasn't. And my family always wasn't. And sometimes I just want to give up. But I got to cling to it. To God's Word. So it causes me to move back and say, I'm sorry, Lord. It causes me to give my child the 15th, oh, forget it, the 150th opportunity. Because they failed. See, he says, cling to it. In other words, the Word becomes their life jacket. I'm drowning in this marriage. I need the Word. It's my life jacket. I'm drowning with my children I need the life jacket, God's Word. I'm drowning in my family and with my parents. I need the life jacket, God's Word. I'm going to tell you, most of you only see me from up here. Let me spend an hour with you or 45 minutes each week. Let's have a soda at Hardee's. Let's talk about God's Word. And some of you, I'm sure, could stand and say, Yeah, I understand how it is a life jacket. See, that's what he's saying. Cling to it. But look, he doesn't stop there. I want you to understand that. And patiently, you ought to circle patiently. In other words, you live it, let it work over a period of time. I want God to change me this week. I want God to change me this month. Look, over a period of time. And patiently, he says. They cling to God's Word and patiently produce a Huge harvest. We're a, listen, we are people outside the church and inside the church. We always want something new. Look, I'm a pastor. Pastors are always saying, you know, God's leading me to a new church. Say, we always want something new. God wants people who'll get planted and will say, this is where I'm called. This is my community. And I'm going to give 20, 40, 60 years to letting God impact other people's lives through me. Say, patient. And I always want the new. I always want to start again. And I've got to sit on that and be careful because that will pull me away from building the kingdom out into the lives of others. And he says, these good soil people is where God's Word is heard and God's Word produces it produces. The question is, what kind of soil are you? Footpath? Are you footpath soil? Rocky soil? Man, you like what you hear, but <laughs> it, it just withers all the time. You, you've tried church three, four, five times, and it keeps weathering. Thorny ground? You really, you really want Jesus to be Lord and have charge. But man all those cares in life. You happen to miss once and then another, and pretty soon you're back like you were. Or are you the good soil? Now look at the next blank on your message map. That which comes forth from your life for God gives evidence of how you receive God's Word. Now let me say I've said this before. If you're hearing me and you're saying all Mike Davis is doing is making me feel feel shame and guilt, you're not hearing me correctly. I know sometimes parents use shame and guilt to try to change children. Believe me, <laughs> I probably did that too. But shame and guilt is not what God is doing here. It's not what Jesus is trying to do here. Jesus is trying to say, now listen. If you got ears, you listen. But understand, you listen, but understand, and some of this is beyond some of us for this point, and so we got to get close to Jesus so it can have more meaning in our lives. This is not to be shame and guilt. You're going to pick that up before we end this sermon. This is all to come out of love, because Jesus cares about you, and Jesus wants you to feel the freedom. That he offers through his words. Jesus is telling us that there are four kinds of identity that we have as humans in relationship to him. And you know what? I believe probably all of us has experienced all of them at one time in our life. But there's four kinds of identities. Now, if you got your message map, I've listed them on your message map. They're not on the screen. Look on your message map. Identity one. That's that That's that. Footpath. That's that hard ground. More concerned with life than God's Word. That's hard ground. That's hard heart. See? Identity 2. More concerned with life's temptations than God's Word. See, there's no spiritual death because being able to give in to your feeling is a lot easier. It's a lot easier to be lost than it is to find your way. It is. It's a lot easier. Listen. To keep driving around and never stop and get directions. See? If you're in the car with Laura and you get lost in St. Louis, listen, it's going to get dark on you before you're going to ever find your way. You're in St. Louis with me and you get lost? Man, two minutes? I'm saying, let's pull over and ask somebody. Now, I'm not trying to put her down. I'm just saying that's the way we are. That's the way most men most women are. Women never ask for directions. Men always ask for directions. Good, you're listening. Thank you. But you see, there's that identity too. Look at identity three. More concerned about the things of life than about God's word. In other words, capitalize there. Too many things of the world keep pulling at their life. Jesus never did tell us not to be responsible. Don't get me wrong, but we are to know our buckets are only so big. Our lives can only do so much. We only have so much time. And we've got to be sure that everything else doesn't crowd out what God's trying to say to us and wants to do through us and produce through us. I mean, if you think this is production, just sitting in the church, you're wrong. That's part of it, but it's much greater than just sitting. And then identity four? More concern, this is a good soil, more concern for God's word and what what God wants. In other words, they long for God's things. Now listen to me. I'm, I'm mentioning identity because identity is extremely important. We are living in a world where young folks are having trouble finding their identity. Some of them may do like I did. They're rebelling against their parents because they think it's all control. And boy, I know and you know the garbage you get into. But see, you don't want your parents' identity. You don't want church identity. You don't want Christ's identity. You don't want some of these identities. Identity is very important. In this world, listen, in this world, okay, we define ourselves usually by our appearance, okay? You're pretty, you're not pretty. You're, 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 you're thin, uh, you're not so thin, you, you have good flesh. No, your flesh is not so good. See, we usually find our identity by our appearance or by our job. Wow, what a job. Ooh, you must be important. See, we, we, we get our identity in this world by our appearance or by our job or by our performance. And I like having you around. You're dependable. Boy, you perform. You never let me down. See, we get our identity by our appearance, by our job, by our performance, or maybe by the status we find ourselves in. And I know in this world some people get status because of what somebody else has done, but they got the status. That's how we identify ourselves. And that's sad. That's sad, but that's how we do it in the world. In Christianity, it's not so. In Christianity, it's not what you look like. I've told the story before. The very first church I passed in Illinois, same Sunday, two couples. One couple, wow, he's got a fine suit. She's got a nice looking dress. Her hair, she must go and have somebody take care of it. If they don't, she does super. Him, it looks like he shaves with the closest razor you ever have. Man, and they smelt good. You know, I like that citrus. Smells good. The other couple, man, this guy's got pimples or boils on his face. Back then, whenever that was the time, he had that flat top. Man, you don't wear a flat top in that time. The wife, her clothes looked wrinkled. She didn't look so great. And when you come near him, there was nothing about their smell that was offensive, but it wasn't that attracted you. And I'm telling you, in time, I shared with our folks. I watched that Sunday. Our people flocked to that good-looking couple. And they had a good job. And they didn't flock to the not-so-good-looking couple. You see, that's how we do it in the world. That's not the way it's to be in Christianity. You got fired. I'm sorry. I'll be your buddy. Your marriage didn't work. I'm sorry. I'll be your buddy. You're hooked on drugs. I'm sorry. I'll be your buddy. You don't look so great. That's okay. I'll be your buddy. See, in Christianity, our identity, listen to me, please hear this. Our identity is from the love of God. That's all. That's where our identity comes from. And if I don't understand his love for me, I'm going to tell you, I have trouble loving myself and I have trouble loving you. In Christianity, our identity comes from who we are, God's child who loves me and whose we are. God's child who loves me. Look on your message map. Look at the list blank. Look at the, look at the next blank. Listen to me. Look at that. From our identity is to come our activity in life. Remember that. From our identity is to come our activity in life. If your identity is in your appearance, that's where your activity consumes you. If your identity is in the love of God, that's where your activity consumes you. We do not do activity so that God would love us. Please hear that. That is salvation by works. That is a New Testament. We do not, listen, we do not do activity so that God would love us. We do activity because God has loved us. Who we are determines what we love do. Folks, that's the wonder of Christianity. That's why Christianity can take a black and a white, a red and a yellow. That's why Christianity can take an educated and an uneducated. That's why Christianity can take a person who grew up with a lot of children and they didn't have a lot, or somebody who grew up with very few children and they had more. That's why Christianity can take somebody from this side of the tracks and somebody from this side of the tracks. And Christianity can bring them all together. That's why. That's why. Listen. That's why the book of Revelation tells us. But God said it even before the last book of the Bible. That's why the tribes and the nations and all the different people are going to be together when Jesus comes and restores what has fallen because it's not going to be based on appearance. It's not going to be based on job. It's not going to be based on status. It's not going to be based on performance. It's going to be based upon the fact that those people know who they are. They are people loved by God. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Look on the screen. Look at this next statement. People change, they give themselves to God's activities, not to get God's favor. Please, people who don't know God, they don't give themselves to God's activity. They may pick up a chair. They may do something, but they won't give themselves to God's activity. But when they feel the love of God, people change, and they give themselves to God's activity, not to get God's favor. You see what I got in parentheses? That's legalistic living. And there are people who are Christians who always evaluate themselves by legalistic living. Oh, man, you're always beating yourself down. You're always saying, have I performed enough? I go on. People change. They give themselves to God's activity because they have God's favor. Folks, that's grace living. See, that's faith living. I give myself to the activities of God because God loves me. And before you even ask me, I'm ready. I'm ready. A person calls me and says, Hey, Mike, can we meet? Can, can you spend some time with me during the week? I've said many times, I can't say no. If it can fit within the calendar, I can't say no. This is what God wants our lives to do touch the lives of others. I am just fortunate to have a woman who understands that. I'm fortunate to have children who they don't fuss. They don't say, Dad, you don't love us. I'm fortunate to have a family that understands that. But you see, you don't do it for a performance. You do it because God loves you so much, and He's brought so much into your life. You just are available for His activities, whatever that is. Whatever that is. Man, I'm at a soccer game yesterday. My grandson, seven years old, it's his birthday, he's playing soccer. Some little boy, probably four years old, five years old, I don't know, she's naughty. Augie comes up. And he comes up to me and and, and and he says, I can do this. I get out of my chair. His grandmother's sitting right beside me. I didn't realize that at first and then she told me. But I get out of my chair. I imagine if I was looking, she'd probably, Yep. I get on my chair and said, Wow, Augie? Because I asked him what his name I said, I'm gonna try to do that. I can't do that, Augie. I can't do that. How do you do that? Wow, Augie? Man. Let me try it again, Augie. I can't do it. Augie, you gotta go slow. You gotta tell me how to do that. He says, he says, didn't he? He says, you gotta pick that leg up. I go, you mean like this? He goes, no, no, that's your arm. You got to pick your leg up. I go, I go, grab my chin. I'm, like that. He says, "Yeah." He says, "He says, he says." You see, you're doing it like this. <laughs> did me? He? he did. Now, Grandma, she's she's probably saying, "Way to go, guy." But but I'm just um, you know why? Augie needs to know people are good people. They can talk to. We got our kids so afraid. So he gets me, and he jumps, and I do it. Now the pest comes around throughout the soccer game. now the next trick is... I said, oh, God, I don't have time for tricks. But what I'm trying to say is, you see... God has blessed my heart with people who have taught me to jump the way God wants me to jump. I'm not saying to be His toy or His puppet. They have taught me about His love, and it has so set me free. It has so enriched my marriage. It has so touched my children. Now, some of you don't know me. You don't know my relationship with the Lord, and you don't know my kids, but some of you do. It has so touched that that all I can do, because He loves me that much, is to get in Involved in activities that might get me close to the auggies, And first it's just jumping up and down and playing with them. But one day it may be sharing God's word with them. Because He, God, loves me. I want to do His activity. I don't know exactly what it always is. But I want to be willing to do it. Look what I got written there. I said after Grace Living, If you do not know the difference... Please look at that. If you do not know the difference, then the Christian life will always seem to be an obligation instead of a privilege. Do I have to do this? Do I when do we stop? When do we somebody else do it? Do I have to? Do I have to? Do I have to? The Christian life is an obligation. My mar- marriage to the Lord is an obligation. My 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 reason for being a dad is an obligation. None of it has to do with a father who loves me. A father who's intimate with me. And so I learn to love and be intimate with her. None of it has to do with a father who is patient with me and helps me develop. So I am patient with my child and I help them develop. You see, if you don't know the difference of this, you're always saying, when do I got to quit doing anything? Because it's obligation. It's not love. Look at what Jesus tells us. About our activity and what it is to be like. We're almost done. We're just going to go to 18th verse. Look what he says in 16. Now, see, this goes with the parable. Once you understand, he's saying, "Listen, which ground are you?" Now, a lot of people, a lot of people are going to say, "I'm the good ground." Okay, I'm the good ship lollipop. Well, most of us are sitting here saying, "I'm the good ground." So, look what he says no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bow or hides it under a bed. You're the good ground. Remember, the good ground is just patiently producing what God wants. He says, no one lights a lamp, covers it with a bow, a lamp is placed on a stand. In other words, it's put out where light can be seen, where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your identity, your identity, if you're good ground, is to cause you to get involved in activity that makes your light shine. People at that soccer field ought to know there's something going on in that strange old man with gray hair. That is different from what I've got. See? And they'll explain it all away. Well, you know, he's got an easy job or he's got a lot of money. He don't have concerns. He don't have a health problem. See? See? But if I have an identity of God's love in me, I am to let that shine forth through my activities. All who come into my home. Now listen, because he's using the light in the house. All who comes into my life's activity is to see, the my life's experience, I'm sorry, is to see activity. That shines the love of God. Does it mean I don't get impatient? Sure. Does it mean I don't get disappointed? Sure. Does it mean sometimes I don't do anything wrong? Sure. But you see, the love comes through. And I say, I'm sorry. And I move to patience instead of impatience. And I move to looking for the future instead of being tied to what disappointed me. Look at the last thing on your message map. God has done something in you, and now God is seeking to do something through you. That's why you're here for. Man, you just got to commit yourself to let God do it. He has done something in you. Now He wants to do something through you. That's what He wants to do. And you can believe all the forces of Satan and hell are going to tell you, Satan's Okay. You don't have to do much. We do not do activity. Listen, to that look at that statement. I got it underline. We do not do activity so that God would love us. We do activity because God has loved us. Who we are determines what we do. He goes on, verse 17. For all that is secret it will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Y'all underline made known to all. We think that's only talking about the end times. I'm not telling you it's not talking about the end times the judgment day when Jesus returns. Listen, I think he's talking to people in their day and Jesus wants to make a difference in a world, listen, in a world where women are just property where if you got any kind of diseases, be with me whenever we get the that sermon on demon possession and then the next sermon when he heals that woman who has a illness for 12 for 12 years you come and see You see, we live in a world that says if you're a woman, you're property or you're just to be used and looked at. We live in a world that says if you've got an illness, man, something's wrong with you. In their day, they said you must have did a sin. Uh, We live in a world that, that says if your appearance isn't right, you don't fit in. We live in a world that so beats us down. Even successful people, there's somebody waiting for you to fail so they can have your position. And you know that. We live in that kind of world. And so he says, all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and be made known. In other words, he's saying this. Listen, he says, something's happened inside of you, and because it's inside of you, it's sort of like a secret. In other words, you've become a follower of Jesus. And most of you, when you became a follower of Jesus, the billboards on the interstate didn't start saying, Mike's a follower of Jesus. Okay? And your family, you know, they didn't send out Birth invitations say, New birth, Mike's been born again. Anybody here have your parents send out invitations when you were born again? See, we, we don't see something happens in secret. Or if you're not a believer, some people don't know that for sure, see? They don't know. Well, come on, every church has a lot of non believers sitting in the worship experiences, okay? He says, He says, He says, so what's in secret will be concealed. He says it will be made known to all. In other words, listen, if in secret you became a follower of Jesus, sort of secret, I'm not saying you try to keep it a secret. We're taught we should publicly let it be known. But he's saying, so you're a child of God. It will be known to all. In other words, by your activities, people's going to know Jesus is your Lord. And if he's not your Lord, by your activity, people are going to know Jesus is not your Lord. You're your Lord. That's what he's trying to bring out. He says, look at 18. See, he's not saying the judgment, because if he was, I don't know if 18 really makes sense. He says, so, based upon what is going on inside of you that people can't see, that will be made known, people will see, okay? He says, so pray, pay attention to how you hear. In other words, don't let this slip away. Now, he says, to those, to those who listen, You might want to circle who listen, because that's the interpretation of what he's trying to say. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. In other words, if you exercise your ability to spiritually listen, you're going to develop spiritual understanding. Most people don't keep exercising their ability to spiritual listen. Remember what he said in one of those grounds? We start listening, but then something happens and we change our schedule and we don't listen anymore. Are you following with me? He's saying, you give attention to listen, and you're going to begin understanding. Okay? He says, more understanding will be given. But to those, look, who are not listening, you ought to circle that, because this is the end of what the story is all about. He's going to go to a different subject. Even what they think. Circle that. Those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. In other words, if you and I don't choose because of God's love in our life, To get involved in God's activities. Now listen to me. Somebody says, man, it sounds like he's trying to guilt me into serving Jesus. I'm not trying to guilt you in anything. I'm just trying to tell you what Jesus said. If you don't give yourself to God's activities, you're going to find yourself not even worrying about God's activities anymore. Man, you can miss Bible reading. You can miss prayer. You can miss church. You can not like your parents. you, 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 You can go out and do sin, and it won't bother you anymore because you say that's the way we are today. He's saying it's going to be taken away. We've got to exercise this ability of spiritual listening. You do. Listen, is it hard? Make sure you get a good night's sleep before you come to Connection. Stay awake. Pay attention. Is it hard to go to Connect Group? Make it a priority. Get your Bible out. Write notes. I slept. I slept every Sunday. Remember, my folks didn't go. My folks didn't go. Whenever I'd be in church, the singing would be done. I'd stand and sing. And I was in a traditional church. Boy, and the preacher started. And well, unfortunately, I'd just wake up when it's, they'd give what they called an invitation. Everybody, please stand. I'd stand. Until senior year in high school, that Sunday school teacher Maybe she watched me every Sunday and prayed and broke her heart. But she made a challenging statement. Some of you seem to just don't pay attention to God's Word. And she talked about singing and she said, Pay attention to God's Word. Don't go to sleep. And if you have trouble staying awake, listen, I had no example. My daddy wasn't there. My mama wasn't there. I had an older brother went, You know what he did when it came to preaching God's Word? <laughs> so what did I do when it came to preaching God's Word? <laughs> Good thing we were young guys didn't snore, see? And so, I heard her. She said, get something to write on. Write in your Bible. Write on a piece of paper. Pay attention. Listen to something that really just excites you. One or two things in the sermon. Folks, I never went to sleep. Now, please, I've been in some sermons. I fall asleep. But it wasn't a regular practice for me to fall asleep. You see, you've got to exercise your listening, your spiritual listening. Jesus says if you do, you're going to get more understanding. If you don't, you're going to lose it. It's impossible to stand still. Your light's either going to shine for Jesus because you're choosing the activity that makes it shine, or your light's going to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer for Jesus because you refuse to exercise your spiritual listening our world is filled with darkness we are relating to people who are filled with darkness we listen to philosophy that is filled with darkness god is not in any of that and so god had jesus the father sent jesus the second person of the godhead to earth light into darkness to begin touching one life and then another and then another and folks he did that those 12 guys stayed close to him. One of them disloyal to him, but the other 11 stuck with it. And eventually, it is thousands and then millions and folks to this day, there are more Christians in the world, people who claim to be born again, not people who just go to Christian church, who claim to be born again than any other faith in this world. And I'm not saying it's always going to be a majority. But it is. You see, the light came into the darkness and the light began touching people and they saw the light at the end of the tunnel. They saw their liberty. They saw their freedom. I can beat this addiction. I can make this relationship work. I can forgive. I can mend. I don't have to carry these kinds of baggage with me, but I can be set free. I want you to know That's the light you and I are to be. We are to learn about it here. And man, we are to go out there and in our restaurants and in our homes and where we work and where we play, that light is to shine. And I don't know what the guy's name, it may not be Augie, but you may have to spend a little time letting that person know you care about some things they're talking about before they'll ever let you share the light of Jesus Christ word for word, about what He's done in your life. I'm going to say this a third time. We do not do activity so that God would love us. We do activity because God has loved us. Our identity does not come from us performing for God. You can't make it that way. Our identity comes from understanding what God has done in loving us that we say, you know what, God? Here I am. Sign me up. What can I do? What's the activity? I am available. Are you available for God? Have you listened today? Do you understand today? Do we have any questions? Let's... How do you allow other people's faults and difficulties? How do you not I'm sorry, how do you not allow other people's faults and difficulties bring you away from God? I always I just recall my own. I keep recalling my own. I don't, I don't hold on to them that they're not forgiven by God, but I realize my struggle. I realize for two years she lived with a man that probably we should have been divorced, very self-centered selfish. I realized with my first two kids, they lived with a man whose anger was exhibited there at home. And so I realized if God can take a man who doesn't understand how to relate and make one who does know how to relate with intimacy, if God can take a man who doesn't know how to be a good parent and I think make him a good parent, God can change folks. And you know what? Now over the years I've seen people who couldn't lick the alcohol, man, the alcohol doesn't control them. Is it always a temptation? Till the day they die. I've seen people who couldn't beat the drug and now the drug doesn't control them. Is it a temptation? Most likely till the day they die. We've already talked about that in one of Luke's sermons. You see, I've seen him change people. So what I do, I don't like the faults and difficulties others bring. But I know God didn't give up on me and He loved me. And if He'll allow me and if those people allow me, I'll stay in relationship with them. Don't give up on your partner. And your dad or mom might have blew it. Don't give up on them. Or your kid might have made the mistakes. Don't give up on them. And that person at work is a real jerk. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because you see, if if you're hearing what I say, you're listening, you understand it, you know the Father in heaven did not and has not given up on you. Let's bow together and then we're done. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the relevance of Jesus' words. I thank you for the wisdom that is there. And Father, may I be helped to share that wisdom. And God, may we be people who will live that wisdom. May we truly hear, whether we're 19 or whether we're 69 or whatever age, may we truly listen And understand. And God may we let it be revealed to our choices. That we understand your love. And we give ourselves to it. Father make us a church. That is not big in number only. But make us a church that impacts our culture around us. God take what we've heard. And let it impact. The next people that we meet. By our actions. We pray these things. In the name of the one who came into a dark world. We pray these things in the name of the one. Who was light in a world that killed him. We pray these things in the name of the one. Who has has illuminated our lives. Amen.